Dear Christian friends, it was several weeks after Good Friday, after Jesus' death and resurrection, after his ascension into heaven, and even after Pentecost. And the Apostle Peter came to the temple area, and he said these words. Preaching a sermon to the crowd, he said, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Now, it wasn't a, a main, the main theme or even a main point in his sermon that day, but this afternoon, these words give us pause, something to think about. The fact that Pilate had decided in his mind and intended to let Jesus go. Now, what had happened was the disciples were going up to the temple, and as they went into that area called Solomon's Colonnade just outside there, there was a man who had been crippled from birth. And this man was calling out, asking for some money, an offering, because since he couldn't walk, he really couldn't do useful work either, and he was forced to beg. But instead, Peter didn't give him any money. He gave him something far more valuable. He said, rise and go. And suddenly this man, he didn't just walk. He started running and jumping and making a scene because he had use of his legs, something for which he didn't even ask for because he thought it was so impossible. And now because of this scene that he was making, this man started to draw a crowd, and it was at this moment that Peter stood up and addressed the crowd and told them, you crucified Jesus. The very same person in whose name this miracle has happened, you crucified him, the Lord of glory. Does that surprise you that he was so direct and so forward with the crowd? that he laid the blame of Jesus and his death on them. Well, it's exactly what he was trying to do, to help them to see the gravity of what they had done in convicting Jesus, though he was innocent. Now, we'll soon see that there were many things that Pilate did do on that Good Friday, but among all the things that he did do, there was, the one, there was one thing at least which he didn't carry out, and that was his intended plan to release Jesus. And so what went wrong? Where did Pilate go so wrong that we ourselves don't make any kind of similar mistakes? What changed his mind? Pilate would have no authority if it had not already been given down to him from someone else, namely God. Now, nobody spoke to the governor like that. In fact, normal people don't speak like that to anyone. And so Pilate began to realize that Jesus was more than just a normal human being. 
that he wasn't just what he appeared to be. So what was he going to do? If Pilate found Jesus' comments unsettling, then it surely would have disturbed him even more to hear what his own wife had to say. Pilate's wife sent him a message saying that she was greatly disturbed in a dream that very same day because of Jesus. And the meaning was clear. She didn't need anybody to interpret it for her. Have nothing to do with that innocent man, she said. The idea was Galilean. Well, let's ship him off to King Herod and have King Herod deal with Jesus and hear his verdict in this case. Again, not wanting to touch this political hot potato, not wanting to get burned. But that plan didn't work either. Soon enough, Jesus came back from King Herod, and no verdict had been reached. What was Pilate going to do? He was running out of options. And so he remembered a custom that would happen at the festival, which was to release a particular prisoner to the crowd, whichever one they chose. And Pilate figured that he could put Jesus up against this other guy, Barabbas, this terrible, notorious criminal, a man who was known for murder and uh, for rebellion. And Pilate must have thought, against that guy, anybody is going to look like a saint. Surely they're going to release Jesus, he must have thought. And so he gave the crowd the option, which do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? And the Jewish religious leaders, they got the crowd to clamor in, in one voice to ask for Barabbas' release. And now it had finally happened. Pilate was out of options, at least any options that would allow him to set Jesus free and yet still maintain his position of authority and power. He wasn't going to gain favor with the crowd by doing that. What was he going to do with Jesus? He figured that if he let Jesus go after the crowd had clamored for his execution, there would be a riot. In fact, a riot was already starting even as he was having this, ca this case, this court hearing. And Pilate's main concern was to get the people quiet once more, to get everybody calmed down and let's move on with our day. And so that's when he pulled out that, that water and washed his hands ceremoniously, saying, I wash my hands of all of this. I, I'm clean in all of this. But unfortunately, there's no amount of ceremonial washings that are going to get Pilate to be declared not guilty in all this. There's no amount of ritual washings that would ever truly pardon him. In the end, on Judgment Day, he's going to stand before the very man he once sentenced to death. Now, if that's hard to hear... Consider just how bad it all really is. We're talking about a judge who didn't care about justice. 
we're talking about a guy who was not concerned with what was really right in all of this, and he was too much of a coward to even admit it. But before we pass off our own judgment on Pilate, let's stop and consider that Pilate himself was a pagan, an unbeliever. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Now, maybe he had heard a thing or two about Jesus before this, but he wasn't a Christian. And so it shouldn't surprise us that Pilate acted in this way, namely, that he was most interested in preserving his own title, his position, his wealth, his authority, and letting Jesus suffer to pay the, the, the price. What's far worse than all that, though, is what happens in the lives of Christians. Because there are times when we ourselves who know our Savior, who know our God, who love Him and who serve Him, we can still turn our backs on Him. We can still act as if He meant nothing to us. And that's true because we're still, we're still sinners. You think of what happened with Jesus' own disciples and how Peter, who had sworn to always always stay faithful to Jesus, it was only hours later that he had already denied Jesus, his Lord and his Savior, three times. And certainly we do the same when we turn our backs on God and sin. We don't confess the truth. We don't confess our Lord. And it can be particularly hard when we're talking to somebody that we care about. Perhaps you've got a, a friend or a coworker that you know isn't a Christian. And when you talk to that person, they know that you are, but it can be a, a hot topic. It can be one of those situations where you say, you know, I really don't want to bring up this subject or, or really want to kind of avoid this subject if it does come up because I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to cause a ruckus. I don't want to risk my job. And so we can actually just move on with our day, just change the subject, and, and then later ask ourselves, I wonder if there's something better I could have said, something differently that I could have done to try and excuse the guilt that we feel for not having stood up for the truth and not having given a bold confession of our Savior. Yes, we too, even as Christians, can pass up those opportunities to remain faithful to our God. And that's far worse when we, when we deny our Savior in that way because we know who He is and we know what He has done. And to still deny Him, to still turn our backs on Him, is all the more severe. And it has to sting even more when Jesus declares this, Whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And we have to shudder to, to realize that those condemning words are aimed at us. But as soon as we come to that point, and we realize just what we deserve for our sins, it's also right then 
that we can fully appreciate the, the amazing gift that we have in our Savior. Recall that on that stone pavement where Pilate was standing as judge, recall that he was not the only person who had some authority, some power. Recall that there was somebody else at work there, and he had authority to break those chains and walk through the crowd if he so chose. He had the authority and the power to disappear and reappear somewhere else if he had wanted to. He had the authority to snap his fingers or whistle, and legions upon legions of angels could have come down and taken care of business, but they didn't. We remember not just the things that God did, the things that Jesus did as he walked this earth, living a holy life in our place, but we also recall those amazing things that he didn't do. He didn't find a way around the cross, but through it. He didn't avoid going to suffer and die for you and for me because this was the plan. This was the way to salvation. And Jesus wanted to carry it through to the end. And so he did. So thank God and praise God for the Savior who endured the false accusations. For the Savior who went through the beating and the mocking. For the Savior who allowed himself to be spit upon, laughed at, and insulted. For the Savior who allowed this, this mock trial, for the Savior who allowed himself to be condemned even though he hadn't broken any laws, thank God for the Savior who dragged his own cross through the street. Thank God for that Savior who was hanged there just outside the city, the one who bled and died, all to set us free. Thank God that we have Jesus. Thank God that in him and in, in what he has done, we have real release from our sins. Thank God that because of what Jesus has done, we get to live at peace with God now and forever. Amen.